at a table, we share our lives, our hurts, our dreams, and moments that lead to movements. The first table God set was in the garden for Adam and Eve so they could experience Him and one another. When sin entered the world, God began setting another table for all of creation. On Jesus' last night, he shared a meal with his disciples, and on the cross, he set the table for the world to feast once again with their heavenly Father. And now in Jesus, God has set the table for the world, and we get to invite people to his feast. For the past 50 years, God has been setting the table for people all over Southern Indiana to taste the grace of Jesus Christ. In 1970, Northside Christian Church started with a handful of families in the basement of Don and Phyllis Garvin. This small group of people had faith that God would use this new church to expand his kingdom, but they couldn't imagine what God would do with their answering of his call. As Northside grew, an agreement was made with the Seventh-day Adventist Church in the area for the use of their building. With their services taking place on Saturday evenings, Northside was able to hold their Sunday morning services in their unused building. Several years later, the church purchased their first permanent location on Grantline Road, which they called the White House. Then in 1974, Northside built its first of several buildings on that same Grantline Road property adjacent to the White House. That's where I'm standing right now in the location where Northside met as a church for almost 30 years and expanded their space multiple times to make room for more. Then in 1993, a local farmer in New Albany reached out to the church with an unbelievable offer to sell 47 acres of his farm property off of Charlestown Road to the church for an incredible $10,000 an acre. The leaders of the church weren't looking for a new location and certainly not this much land, but they realized that God was calling Northside to a future that was beyond their expectations, so they purchased the land. In 1999, God led my dad, George Ross, here to be the new senior pastor at Northside. The church quickly outgrew this location and built what is the center of the current campus in 2002. It was only a handful of years later that they also built the 2,000-seat auditorium in 2006 that we use today. In the past two years, we have seen enormous growth at Northside as we've changed service times, we've created a video venue, enhanced life groups, taken Jesus into the world, and seen a huge influx of families joining God here. Just like he has called the church to expand over the last 50 years, God is calling us again to make the table bigger so that as many people as possible can have a seat at his table. So we are launching into a new season at Northside that we're calling Setting the Table. In order to set the table for more people to join God here, we need to focus on three major areas over the next two years. The first area is setting the table for mission. We want to continue to ramp up and invest in the heartbeat of this church, which is to connect unconnected people to Jesus Christ. The second area we wanna focus on is setting the table 
for making room. With the growth God has blessed Northside with in the past two years, we are literally out of room. At the beginning of this year, we not only set a new record with our weekend kids side attendance, but now both the 945 and the 1130 services are over 90% full. This growth over the past two years has caused us to evaluate the use and the efficiency of our building and come up with a plan along with architects of how we can best utilize our space. This has led us to create a two-story expansion of our kids' side space in what is now our Centrum and Video Venue. This will allow us to increase our kids' side space by 63%. And with averaging 17 new families a weekend in 2019, and even more so far in 2020, we're gonna need that space. We volunteer at the other kids' side for pre-K and kindergarten. When I'm there volunteering, watching the kids learn and kind of understand and get to know Jesus and God more is just so rewarding. I know just from volunteering in the Discovery Town in the nursery, we are running out of space. You don't want to turn away families, so it's important to expand the space in the church and utilize the space we have. Along with the expanded children's space, we will also be updating our foundry building, to make up for the lost multi-use space in the Centrum and to expand our space for the students. Add additional space to our lobby, a more appropriately sized room for our video venue, more storage space on the back of our auditorium, and add much needed signage on our building. When building the auditorium 14 years ago, the leadership of the church saw how growth was consistently a part of the story of Northside and had the foresight to build the auditorium with the ability to expand to additional seating. So to help solve the issue of space in the auditorium, we are adding 500 additional seats to the back of the room so even more can join us at the table. The third and final area we are being called to focus on is setting the table for multiplication. With the rapid growth of Northside on the Charlestown Road campus, debt was taken on when the auditorium was built. And this debt allowed Northside to grow and to become the church that it is today. We feel that now is the time to eliminate that debt over the next two years, allowing Northside to be ready for what God is calling us to next as a church and freeing up valuable ministry dollars to be put towards advancing His kingdom. Through setting the table, our hope and prayer is that 100% of us will engage with God and commit to generosity so that we can create more space at the table and connect even more unconnected people to Jesus Christ. Here's what I believe God is asking of us, that every one of us will make a commitment of generosity so that we can be the table setters for those around us who don't yet know God. And I'm asking you to pray and engage in this initiative in a way that grows and stretches your faith. That the way you give demonstrates your willingness to put Jesus and what he is calling us to first in your life. God has been setting the table for us as a church over the last 50 years. And we believe that this is the next step in following his call to make disciples in Southern Indiana over the next 50 years. What a faithful God. We follow and celebrate a faithful God who is for us. And just to think for a moment to go, all of this began in a basement.
And this is why God calls us to walk and live by faith because we have no idea all that God wants to do. And I'll be honest, this whole vision that God's kind of given us over the last two years, it's hard to take in. It's hard to wrap my mind around going, wow, God, this is a lot. And he goes, I know, Nate, because this is what I began to realize as I've read scripture and we're going to get into this whole series is this, God and his whole guest list has the world as his guest list. This is why John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that he's saying this, I want the entire world at my table and church, we are called in this season to step out in faith once again to be table setters, to invite people who do not know Jesus to his table, to let them know that the world is not forgotten, but our heavenly father knows and loves us. And here in a moment, our volunteers are gonna hand out, we put together an in-house journal for our series that's gonna go on over the next six weeks because we want you to feast on what Jesus has for you. There are daily devotions, there's sermon questions in here. On page 16, there's even sermon notes that you can bring this every week so you can write in here. Uh, this booklet has all of what we just talked about in that video so you can catch up on that. And then it even has a commitment card in here where we're going, no need to fill this out today. We're not asking for any of that. All we want you to do is begin just to pray, to say, Father, how would you ask and call me to be a table setter in this season. And this is all we want you to begin to pray and ask is go, God, how are you calling me to participate? But this is kind of our Oprah moment. Instead of charging these for like $5, we thought, man, this is the first weekend Everybody should get one of these, all right? And so volunteers, don't you come on down and pass them out and you get a journal and you get a journal, all right? Now here's the deal, we're Southern Indiana and we're pretty competitive, all right? So this is what I told our volunteers, we're gonna have a little competition about who can pass these out the fastest. Scott Ham, you're already losing, my man. You're already losing, double time, soldier. And uh, he was on a fishing trip with Doug Newland, they had a competition and I asked Doug, I said, did you win? He goes, of course I won. I said, you're so competitive. He said, actually, the only thing I compete is when I can win. And if I don't win, it's just called a team building experience, all right? We're passing these out. Yeah, yeah, heads up. Everybody, baby, heads up with ham over here, man. Hey, but here, as they're passing them out, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do two things at once, all right? This is what I want you to begin to do as they're passing these out to everybody. I want you to begin to think about what is your favorite meal of all time? I mean, what's your favorite meal that you've ever had? All right, begin to think about it. It doesn't have to even be out at a restaurant. It could be in your home. It could be anywhere. But begin to think about. I think that back section back there won. I think you guys won. Yeah, yeah, you guys, that's it. Yeah, hey, I got you, man. Now, you guys are like half the size of the room, all right? So this is, there's going to be an asterisk by that victory. Hey, but this is what we want you guys to do with these journals. We want you bringing these over the next six weeks. We want you to be diving in. We got daily devotions. We got all these things, sermon questions for life groups are in here. But we want you diving into what God has and feasting on his word. But here's what I found as I began to think about that question for myself on what is my favorite meal of all time. Uh, what I remembered was it was a dinner that I had over 10 years ago with my wife. And uh, where we were at is this, I had a buddy, he's a mentor. He came up to me and he said, Nate, he goes, I've got an executive trip to Hawaii. I'm like, well, good for you, Brooke. I'm real excited for you, buddy. And he said, no, he said, I've been traveling a, a ton this year. We have leftover miles. 
And we didn't know if you and Ruthie wanted to go with us and we'll pay for your flight with our extra miles. And I said, I knew I loved you, Brooke. And uh, I'll let you speak any truth you want into my life. And so over 10 years ago, my wife and I, we got to be Brooke and his wife Sandra's guest over to Hawaii. And uh, they did all sorts of, you know, they had meetings, all this other stuff. Ruthie and I kind of, ha- you know, would hang back on different things. And uh, I remember one night he said, hey, we're going to this place for dinner and it's at the Four Seasons Hotel. And I had never been to a Four Seasons Hotel. And this is what I walked into on the big island, like, God, you are the best creator of the world, you know? It's kind of taken back by this. And he said, we're going to have dinner down on the beach. All the executives are getting together. I said, Brooke, that sounds great. I'm not an executive, right? I'm not on the, I'm not on the list. He said, I'm going to go down to the security guard and see if I can sneak you guys in. And I'm like, all right, but if you get arrested, I don't know you, you know? And uh, he goes down, he talks. I remember the security guard's name, his name was Carl. And he talked to Carl, goes, hey, listen, man, I got some buddies here. They're not on the list, but I got some room at my table. Could you allow them to sit with us? And Carl looked at us and he felt real bad. And uh, he said, sure, you guys can come on in. And I remember sitting, it was this luau, all these executives, all this other stuff on the beach. And Ruthie and I, you know, we're just kind of sitting there like we are totally out of place at this dinner. And we're sitting there and they go, all right, your table can go up to eat at the buffet. And we counted, everybody's just kind of grabbing food and going on. Ruthie and I just stopped. We counted 32 things on the buffet, right? And not only that, they had like the crab legs that were already cut open, right? You didn't have to crack the crab legs. You just pull this meat out, filet, lobster tail. And I remember just sitting there eating all this other stuff going, this is the greatest meal of my life. You ever, you ever left a place and went, that meal changed my life. That meal changed my life. I've been born again at this table, right? I came to Jesus at that meeting, right? And we say that sometimes we had that meal and I began to think about this and I went, man, why is that so meaningful? Because I had steak before. And what I began to realize is this, sometimes it's not just what we have, it's also who we're with at the table. And it's not just who we're with at the table, it's how we got to the table. You know why that was probably the most meaningful meal of my life? One, I had my wife with me, the other is this, it was all free. I'm like, man, yeah. And this is, I just remember this moment because I went, there was no way that I should have been at that dinner. I wasn't on the list. I didn't earn my way. This was for executives only. This, I was not supposed to be there. But man, when we get invited to the table, it does something to us. Matter of fact, I read this survey that it said, uh, they, they did this massive survey about what are the three most emotional phrases that move people. And the number one emotional phrase that moves people, and you guys can probably guess what it is, I love you. I love, when, when you hear so, man, I love you, just, it moves us. The second one they said is this, that actually is a little surprising. I forgive you. Just this sense of somebody letting go of the shame and what you owe them, that I forgive you. But the third one caught me really by surprise. They said this was the third most emotional statement that moves people. Dinner's ready. Dinner's ready. Literally last night, this happened to me. I text Ruthie when I was driving home and I text her, whenever I leave church, I just text her, hey, on my way home, you need anything? And it's, hey, stop by here. And last night she said, nope. And then she said it, dinner's ready. I'm like, Jesus, yes, yes. And it was amazing that this has so much influence on us. And I began to think about that as I was reading that article. I went, but isn't that really the summary of the good news of Jesus? The Jesus in the heart of God is this. I love you, I forgive you, and dinner's ready. Dinner is ready. Some of you are going, dinner's ready, yes. See, the whole thing is this, that when God sent Jesus to earth, what he was coming to tell us is this, your father has come to feast with you. 
Your father has come to sit down with you. It is no longer about earning your way to God or earning all these other stuff or getting, you know, kind of getting enough credits where you get on a list. The whole thing about the father is this, that he invites us when we are not worthy of an invitation. And he invites us to his table. Matter of fact, this is what I found fascinating about Jesus's life. Almost all of his ministry happened around a table. Literally in Luke, where we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 14, but in the entire book of Luke, there's 23 parables. And here's what's so cool. Out of 23 parables, 15 include food. Because Jesus knows this, when you get around a table, things begin to change. Matter of fact, Revelation chapter 19 verse 9 says this, when John had a vision of what heaven was looking like and heaven coming down to earth, listen what it said. This was the vision that John got from the word of God. He said, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Meaning this, heaven is a wedding supper with God. It is a feast with God. It's not a famine. It's not you. And if everybody's like, man, I don't really like toga, harps, and clouds. Good news. Then you're going to love heaven because heaven is like golden corral with four seasons steak. <laughs> it is a feast with our father. This is what heaven is. Our father is going to come and we are going to spend eternity with him because this is what God knows. It's not just about what good we're going to do for him. It is about his graciousness that he has come to sit at the table with us. And when we are at the table with one another, it changes everything. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus always does this. And he, and he, he lays a pattern for us as followers of him of how we are to live in this world. Because oftentimes this is what happens, and I'm guilty of this as well. I, you know, a lot of us, we go, we just want to sit at lunch or we want to sit at table with people who are like us or that we like. We don't want to waste a meal. We don't want to spend time with people who we go, man, you know, they just, they, they just, they're emotionally draining. We just want to have meals with people who are like us. And listen to what happens in Luke chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus does something pretty interesting. It says, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Here's what's fascinating about Jesus. The Pharisees didn't like him, but they invited him because they wanted to learn more stuff about him. But did you catch that word? That he was being carefully watched, which means this. Jesus walked in the room and everybody just started judging him. You ever walked in a room and you just feel like eyes are just judging you? And you're like, man, what am I doing here? Here's what Jesus knew. If I'm going to tell the world about our heavenly father and the one who invites them to his table, I better be willing to sit around the table with those who don't like me. He is calling us as his church and his followers to go into the world and to be willing to sit down at the table with those who may not follow Jesus, who may not like Jesus, but we say, hey, even though you may not like him, I am called to love you. Heard an incredible story that happened back in the 80s between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. And if you know any story, you know, we're, we're basketball people here in Indiana. If you know the story about this, they faced off uh, in college championship. You know, Magic was at Michigan State. Bird was at Indiana State. Bird lost to Magic in college. Then they became bitter rivals in the NBA. Bird playing for the Celtics. Magic for the Lakers. Hated each other. Total enemies. And then this is what happened. They both signed a shoe contract with Converse, which means they started having to do commercials together. That's a throwback there, isn't it? Nice stash, Larry. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where they had to start doing these commercials together. And Converse said, here's the deal, guys. We want to do a commercial together. And Bird didn't like magic. And he said, here's the deal. 
I'll film the commercial, but it'll be at my farm and French Lick. Take it or leave it. They talked magic into showing up. And they said it was real icy on the set in that morning. They wouldn't talk to each other except when they'd say their lines. And then the director said, all right, that's a, you know, let's take a break for lunch. And right when he said that, Larry's mom walked in the room and said, good news, everybody. I've made lunch at my house. Everybody come over. You can just probably imagine Larry in, the, in his mind going, come on, mom, you know. And Bird and Magic went over to Larry's house and they had lunch together. Listen to what Larry said. It's pretty powerful. He said, it was at the table that I discovered Irvin Johnson. I never liked Magic Johnson very much, but Irving I liked a lot. And Irvin didn't come out until I met him at mom's table. And at the table, two bitter rivals actually became friends. And if you know what happened at the end of Larry Bird's career, when the Boston Celtics retired his number, it was Magic Johnson who gave the opening statement honoring Larry Bird. At the table, life begins to change. Enemies begin to sit down with one another. Empathy and compassion begins to grow because at the table you begin to hear one another's story. It's at the table that life begins to ensue. And this is why God all throughout scripture is setting a new table. He's going, it's at the table I wanna change your life. It's at the table I want you, when you open my word, I want you to discover who you really are in me. Not who the world thinks you are, not who you think you are, but who your heavenly father says you are. And see, when you and I sit down at the table with God, he changes who we are. When we begin to worship Jesus, everything begins to change. That's why Jesus, he sits down with these guys. He goes to the Pharisee's house. He knows he's going to be judged. He knows nobody likes him, but he's going, I know you don't like me, but your heavenly father loves you. And if I don't sit at the table with you, you're not going to hear the love and the mercy and the grace of God. And what happens is this. It's pretty fascinating. When Jesus walked in the room, it says in verse 7, that when he walked in the room, he noticed that all the guests had already taken all the places of honor and Jesus didn't even have a seat at the table. Just a heads up, if you're ever gonna invite Jesus over for lunch, save him a seat, right? You know, it just might go well for you, you know, to do that. Literally, he walks in and there's no seat at the table for Jesus. And here's why. They threw a banquet and they didn't throw a banquet just so everybody could come. They threw a banquet for just people that they wanted to have at their table. And Jesus sees this plane and he goes, hey, I want to begin to address this with these guys because they're kind of losing God's whole calling here. They're Pharisees and they know God, but they've lost the heart of God. And listen to what he tells them in verse 12. It said, Jesus said to his host, this prominent Pharisee, he's like, you've got this backwards. You're throwing a banquet and you're throwing a banquet just for your status so that people, you all look who came to my party. He's like, that's not the heart of God. He says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors, because if you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. What he's saying is this. It's not that you can't hang out with your friends. What he's saying is, don't just throw a banquet for people who like you and think you've actually done something. He goes on to say this, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed. 
When your life begins to exist for others to be a part of God's table beyond just you and your friend or who you think should be there, you're actually going to experience the blessing of God. And although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous, meaning you will get a reward in heaven for living the ways of God. And listen what one of these guys, one of these Pharisees said to Jesus at verse 15. It says, when one of those at the table with Jesus heard this, again, here he is at the table, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. They knew that the kingdom of God, when God comes, it's going to be a feast. And Jesus says, he replies to him. He says, a certain man, talking about God, was preparing a great banquet. And what he's talking about is he's talking about the story of Scripture. He's talking about the whole work of God in the world. He said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to go tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. That God sent Jesus into the world to go, guys, everything's ready. Quit looking for your life and your work. Quit looking for your life and your relationship. Life is found in Jesus. But they all alike began to make excuses. Jesus said, first, here was the excuse. I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Now, real quick, who buys a field without seeing it? Right? Next guy. Another said, I had just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Who buys oxen without seeing them, right? You're going to show up and they only have three legs. You're like, what have I bought, right? You know, some of that happens to you on Craigslist or Amazon, right? You buy and you're like, hey, wait a second. This is miniature size. And what Jesus is saying here is this, that God has invited the world. And what happens is people begin to make up excuses about why they can't come to his table. Finally, one guy says this, still another one. He says, hey, man, I just got married and I can't make it. And you're like, yeah, I understand, man. That, a big wedding night's a pretty big deal, right? But what happens is this. They begin to use marriage and relationships as an excuse to not follow God. Then the servant came back and reported to his master, Jesus said. And the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, okay, if those people aren't going to respond, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. Do you hear the heart of God in this passage? And he's going, I want all of my creation. I want all of my world at my table. I want the whole world in relationship with me because life outside of relationship with me is absolutely not the way I intended it. And I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. See, here's the good news of why we're talking about this setting the table series is because at God's table, everything is now ready in Jesus. Everything your heart desires, all of your life ambitions, everything that God put in you is found and fulfilled in Jesus. The good news is this, dinner's ready. Come and feast on him. Come and find your life. Be free of the shame and the guilt that ties around you, that holds you back, that keeps you from stepping into all that God has because God is saying, I got a seat for you at my table. Matter of fact, Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? 
You're going to be filled. Man, blessed are you when your life just hungers and thirsts for God. I love watching college basketball and football when a great play happens, even in the fans. You know, I use that one. I can't wait to watch them. We'll get out of here just in time today. Everybody, don't worry. You know, and, and here's what I love. What will happen is after a good play or something will happen, a player will do this. He'll be like, right? What he's saying is this, I'm ready to eat. I'm, I'm hungry for this. And what Jesus says is this, all of your desires in you, he goes, come hungry, but come to my table because at my table you will find your life. Matter of fact, I found this interesting in the Center for Bible Engagement. They did a survey of 40,000 people that read their Bibles from ages 8 to 80. And they just wanted to learn about what happens when people read God's word, when they begin to feast on God's word, when they begin to let God's word into their life. And I love a quote, it's this, it's not that you would read your Bible, but will we let our Bibles read us? Will we let the word of God begin to speak into our soul? And they did this survey and they interviewed 40,000 people. And this is, they were shocked by what happened. The results came back and, they, and what they found was this. People who read their Bible one time a week, maybe just, you know, even at church, were opening up Luke 14. What they found was this. People who only read their Bible one time a week, actually it had very minimal effect in their life. I can't even remember the main point from last week's sermon for you, right? I'm the preacher. What they found is this, if you read your Bible two times a week, it actually has the same impact of reading your Bible one time a week, very minimal. They said when you begin to read what they found over all 40,000 people, when you begin to read the word of God three times a week, they said they began to see a little bit of change in people's life, but they said something interesting happened. From all the result was this, people who read their Bible four times a week, made time for God's word, made time for God, what they found was this, an astronomical spike of life change happened in their life. Just four times a week, not every day. Yeah, let's read God's word every day. But what they found is at four times when they began to feast on this, everything began to change in their life. And I began to think about this. You know why? It's kind of like a best of seven in basketball or, or a baseball series because now the majority of your week is devoted to God's word. And what they found, here's was some of the statistics that what they found in the life of people who gave themselves to God's word, who began to feast on God. Loneliness, and this is just Christians, loneliness went down 30%. Anger went down 32%. Relational issues went down 40% because of the word of God was in them. They were learning how to work through this. Alcoholism went down 57%. Spiritually stagnation went down 60%. If you feel stagnant right now in your relationship, begin to feast on who God is. Pornography use went down 61% by just simply being in God's word more. Because what happens is it begin to light a fire. You go, no, 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 I don't need that. But this was two of the big things they found. One is this, sharing your faith went up 200% when you were in God's word four times a week because they said there was a confidence of what they were sharing now to the world. And then this was the other thing, discipling others, beginning to invest in others went up 230% because now people knew what their calling was and to step in. See, this is why God's come to set the table. He's coming to say, hey, dinner is ready. And what happens is when we begin to feast on God's word, it tells us who we are. It begins to call us in to things. And we begin to step into it because the table has a way of revealing where we are not trusting God at that time. I remember for me, the darkest time spiritually in my life was my junior year of high school. This is why if you're in junior high or high school here today, middle school, sorry, it's not junior high back here, right? This is why you need to understand right now could actually be one of the most important spiritual times of your life. 
My junior year of high school before I moved here was the most spiritually dark time of my life. And most people go, well, yeah, you're a pastor's kid. That was your trajectory, right? PKs, they always go wayward, you know? Here's what was fascinating. The darkest time in my life spiritually, I was going to church three to four times a week. Here's what was happening. My dad was on staff at one church. I would go to church on the weekend. I really didn't like the youth group, so I'd go to youth group with some other friends at another church during the week. Three to four times a week, I was at church. Here was the problem. I was never at the table with Jesus. And the mistake I made was this. I thought just going to church is what would change me. It's sitting at the table and it's feasting on who God is, and it's feasting on his word, and it's allowing him to define, and him to free, and him to cultivate all of life. Because here's what I found about sin in my own life. Sin is always feasting at the wrong table. Sin is always feasting at the wrong table. From the very beginning when God created Adam and Eve and he created the garden, he created this massive table and he said, go and eat, feast. I provided it all. Just what? Don't eat at where? One tree. And like a three-year-old, what do Adam and Eve do? I'm going to go to that tree. Don't touch the stove. You know, and of course, Adam and Eve goes there. And what happens is this, they began to feast at the wrong table. Shame comes in, they begin to hide from God, they begin to lie to one another, they begin to blame one another, and the whole thing is this, they were feasting at the wrong table. This is why Jesus talked about the excuses. Too many times we're making up these excuses. Oh, I've got these opportunities in my life. That's what the land represented. I have these opportunities. I need to go. I I mean, I can't follow Jesus because if I follow Jesus, I might lose out on some opportunities. No, Jesus is your opportunity. Oh, I just bought these oxen, I can't. No, no, no. The reason why we're addicted to work is this. We are feasting on work instead of feasting on Jesus and taking Jesus into our work. And oftentimes, the reason why marriage statistics in the church and Christianity mirrors the culture is because we're feasting on our relationships more than we're feasting on Jesus. If you want your marriage to hold together, if you want your relationships to hold together, don't look to a spouse or a person to be your savior. Let Jesus be your savior. Matter of fact, uh, the only, you know, kind of serious relationship I had uh, before I got married to Ruthie came after college, and I was dating this girl, great Christian girl, and my mentality was this, if you just work really hard at a relationship, it's all going to work out. And what happened was within like a six-month time, uh, I broke up with, you know, we broke up with each other about three or four times, and in my mind, I'm like, man, I just got to make this work. She loves God. I love God. This should work. You know, why is this not working? And I remember my mom just kind of pulled me aside. And she said, Nate, I know you're 23, you're your own man, but I just got to let you know, when it's the right person that God's brought into your life to marry, it's just not this difficult. Praise God for a mom who loves Jesus more than me, right? And because she loves Jesus, she's willing to speak truth into me. And matter of fact, can we just encourage moms this morning right now? Because I know you got to speak some hard truth into your family. Moms, keep feasting on Jesus because that's how you're going to speak truth and raise your kiddos. Thank God for a mom who said, Nate, I just want to speak truth into you. And you know what she was doing in that moment? She was calling me back to the table. Nate, let Jesus lead your relationship life. Nate, let Jesus be the center of all you do. Come back to the table. Come back. The Father forgives you. Not only does he say, I love you, he forgives you. Too many times we keep 
from coming back to the table and feasting on Jesus because, oh, I bet he won't forgive me. And there is forgiveness at the table. The only thing is this, when we come back and we feast on the table, at the table with Jesus, here's what happens. We, we find that not only are we invited, we are called to be sent out to be table setters for the world. That the world doesn't know about this invitation of Jesus. The world doesn't know about this love from God. And he's saying, church, come and feast with me, but then go tell others. Because isn't that what we do when we go to a great restaurant? Oh, have you been to so-and-so? Oh, you got to go. Oh, you got to go. It will change your life. I began to think about it in my own life. I'm like, why will I speak about steak more than I will my Savior? My Savior's changed my life. Listen to what it says, verse 22. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. The calling on us, church, is to come to the table to feast on Jesus. And then Jesus is saying, I want you to go and tell everybody about the feast that they are invited to that there is room for them at the table. And then he even says this, make them come in. He doesn't mean put them in a headlock and drag them into the church, all right? It's called assault, all right? You know, it's like, don't do that. But when he says, make them come in, what he's saying is this, don't just be a good example for the world, church, because then they won't understand who Jesus is. They'll just go, they're a nice person. What he's saying is this, begin to compel and have a conversation about Jesus. Begin to tell the world about the love that the Father has for them. Go into the country roads, which for us, that's pretty easy, isn't it? Right? Just take a left. And, uh, you know, it's like, we're there. And he's going, go into the country roads and go into the alleyways. Don't look to people to bring you status because your heavenly Father has set the table. Come feast on him. And you go and you invite everybody to his table. And you go and you tell everybody about him because here's what happens. Then you will be blessed. Then your life will be full. Because, church, we are called to the table and we are called to be table setters. The reason why we're here is because the last 50 years we have had people who kept coming to the table and who have set the table for us. And the invitation for you and I is for the next 50 years to be table setters, to feast with our heavenly Father and to go set the table. That's why we've created these shirts. We're just saying, hey, we just want these shirts to be reminders to say, hey, no, we have been invited to the table and we are called to be table setters. And we thought as we kick off this series, it'd be neat to do another Oprah moment. And so you get a shirt and you get a shirt today, all right? And so after service, go out to the lobby. We got a shirt for you. Now don't take them for your seven brothers and eight sisters, all right? We only have enough for who are here, but we're saying we want you to wear the shirt and remember who you are. Let me ask this question though. It won't make sense to go set tables if you haven't taken a seat at the table. Have you sat down at the table with your heavenly father? Have you responded to his invitation to feast on him? See, what, this is what this is all about. This is why we've created this journal for you. We want you to feast on him. And at the end of the series, this is what the commitment card is. It's just saying, God, I'm going to respond to what you've called me to do, to be a table setter, to make more room so that more and more people can know who you are. I had somebody come up to me a couple weeks ago. They said, uh, why don't you guys do church picnics anymore? 
where are we going to have that at, right? You know, we're like, we can't, we barely get anybody, you know, we have to do all these services just to get people in here. I'm like, where, where are we going to do that? And it began to make us think. And we said, wouldn't it be cool if we kind of had a family gathering? And I want you to mark your calendars on February 12th. It's a Wednesday night. And on February 12th, what we're going to do is this. One, we're going to celebrate our 50th birthday as a church. We're going to have a night of worship together. It's going to be an advanced commitment night where if you know what, the, what your father has called you to give to help set the table, that night you can present that to God at, just through a card. But what we're going to do on February 12th is this. All of us together as Northside for the first time in 20 years, we are going to be able to gather in one place because that night we will be at the Yum Center together. And uh, such a neat, neat opportunity. Now, some of you are like, how are we going to do that? I got a buddy, Robbie, who works at the Yum Center. He has been ridiculously gracious to us. I mean, literally, they have done all sorts of things to make this thing so affordable. Matter of fact, we're like, hey, that's cool. You got us in at like a rock bottom price. I mean, unbelievable graciousness. But we're like, man, we're going to have to do PA in here, and that's going to be expensive. They go, why don't you just use our system? All right. But we're still going to have to get, you know, projection because we're going to have words. And they go, well, we could just lower the scoreboard. You guys can put the words on there. We got a stage. You can use that. I love you, man. You know? Yes. And so February 12th, matter of fact, and some of you are like, oh, man, downtown Louisville. I don't drive over there. Good news. We've rented some buses. If you don't like driving downtown, if you need some assistance, go to mynorthside.com slash bus. You can sign up. We want that just to be for people who are going, man, I don't drive at night. I need help. Hey, we want everybody there because we're going to have a family moment as we step into the next 50 years together. Would you guys stand with me? So we step into the next 50 years together. And I just want us to read this verse out loud together because this is the heart of our Father. This is why we're doing this initiative over the next two years. This isn't anything we've come up with. We're just keeping in step with what God is doing. And maybe for the first time in this series, you're gonna take your seat at the table or you're gonna to begin to become a table setter. Let's read these words from Jesus out loud together. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. Northside, let us step into the next 50 years by faith and may we see God make his house full, amen? Let's go with him this year, everybody. God bless you guys. We'll see you next weekend. Go get your shirt. Sign up for a life group out in the lobby.